Good morning! Welcome to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We look forward to having you on the show. This morning's episode is titled, The People of Nineveh Believed God. It shall be focused on a study of Jonah chapter 3. Before we go any further, we begin with the word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for the people of Nineveh who listened to the warning of judgment. May that be, Lord, our testimony yet today. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Up next, we shall listen to Jonah chapter 3. Chapter 3 And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go unto Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. So Jonah arose and went unto Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days' journey. And Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey. And he cried and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God, and proclaimed a fast, and put on sackcloth, from the greatest of them even to the least of them. For word came unto the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, and he laid his robe from him, and covered him with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth, and cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn every one from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. Who can tell if God will turn and repent, and turn away from his fierce anger, that we perish not? And God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way. And God repented of the evil that he had said that he would do unto them, and he did it not. Up next, we shall listen to a sermon by Reverend William Branham, titled, Behold, a greater than all of them is here. This was preached in 1962 on July the 15th. We'll begin at paragraph 54 up to paragraph 98. I trust you find it to be a blessing. I was called over to Benton Harbor, Michigan. There's a rabbi, that school, Jewish school there. I was called over there for an interview for this rabbi, young fellow, red beard, and dark hair, and he, I was waiting out in the swing with Mr. Ryan. He come by and said, What is your name? I said, My name is Branham. Hmm? And he said, um, Mr. Branham, I'd like to ask you a question. I said, Yes, sir. He said, uh, uh, By what means did you open John's eyes? He said, I know John's been blind. I've given him alms many times. He said, What means did you open his eye? I said, In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Turned his head and looked around a little bit. He said, He's no Lord and Savior. And uh, I said, Well, maybe not to you, but He is to me. And uh, he said, uh, I said, He is the Messiah. And uh, he said, No Messiah. I said, How could a thief be Messiah? I said, A thief? What do you mean, Rabbi? He said, Well, he was a thief. I said, Said, your own scripture said he was a thief. I said, oh, you read something that isn't right. Not in the Bible. Yes. He said, I'll prove it. He went through the cornfields on the Sabbath day and stole the corn. I said, no, he plucked the ears. And he said, uh, he said, well, he took something that didn't belong to him. Wouldn't that be a thief if you took something that didn't belong to him? I said, Rabbi, do you mean to tell me you don't know your own Levitical laws? You never broke none of God's laws. The law says that you can go through a field and eat, but don't put any in a bag and take it out. That's right. Amen. No law. Amen. That conquered him. He said, tell me, what did you do to John Ryan? I said, I've never done nothing. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, opened his eyes. He's no Son of God. I said, why isn't he? He said, you Gentiles can't cut God in three pieces and give him to a Jew. And I said, well, we're not cutting him in three pieces. He said, oh... You sure trying to? And I said, Rabbi, do you believe your prophets? He said, Yes. I said, Isaiah nine six said what? <laughs> and to us the son is born. I said, Who is he talking of? He said Messiah. 
I said, then what will Messiah be? He said, Messiah will be God. I said, tell me where Jesus failed to prove that he wasn't that. That got him. I noticed him as he's turning there a few minutes. I said, there's one thing, sure. You know that John was blind. You know he now sees. And I say that nothing I could do, but it was Jesus Christ, the Son of God, your own Messiah that you turned down. Like your fathers did, so have you, Rabbi. In a few minutes, he said, if I preach that kind of stuff, I was the uh, schools up here on the hill looking down towards the lake, said, I'd be down there begging down there in the street. I said, Rabbi, I'd rather be preaching the truth and down there laying on my stomach drinking branch water and eating soda crackers and I have fried chicken three times a day and my name and gold on this building up here and I know I was an era. Yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. As he started away, great big tears are dropping off his beard. He started walking in. He said, I'll see you sometime. I said, wait a minute, Rabbi. He said, I will see you later. <laughs> he wouldn't talk to me. That's it. He stayed with the Word. No matter what he done, he was still in the Word. For he was the Word. Then those people disbelieved him and told him he was Beelzebub, the devil, all kinds of evil words. Well, if he should come into the church today, the unbeliever would say the same thing. So you see where it comes from. And those men that said that were holy men, acting holy, they lived clean, and they were sincere. Sincerity is that there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end is the ways of death. So Jesus was standing there rebuking them for calling him Beelzebub. He perceived their thoughts. They didn't say it out loud. He perceived their thoughts. And he said, uh, told him about it. And then they walked up to him after all that he had done and showed him the correct sign of the Messiah and the works followed it, exactly what it was said he would do. And then they walked up and said, Master, we would see a sign from you. Oh, my. Now, take this in Christian love. Take this from a heart full of love for you. But just a, it's chastening. How could we want to have a prayer line right over here at some other meeting when we stood right here and seen the Bible manifested in the presence of Jesus Christ right here among us? His attitude to one is to all. See? But we would see a sign from him. That sign was done one time in all the city of Sychar believed on Jesus Christ, but they never saw it done. They believed the woman's testimony, and she was a prostitute. One time. Thousands of times it's been done around the world now. Look at it. But you know, when John came to prepare a church for Jesus, there wasn't one millionth of the people ever heard him. And when Jesus Christ was on earth, there wasn't one hundred thousandths of the people ever saw him or heard him. But he came to those who were ordained to life, and they received it. And the ones that he did, he only got 120 out of them. See? He was just the number of people that's going to receive it, and when that's it, that's it. The rest of them, you might pour water on it and all kinds of everything. It'll never bring, it'll never bring the, the truth forward. It'll never believe it, see? It'll just keep on going. Because there's nothing in it to believe with. As my old southern mother used to say, you can't get blood from a turnip because there's none in it. <laughs> Now, we would see a sign. Jesus rebuked them. Now, we know that God in all ages has had gifted signs. There's never been an age but what God had some kind of a sign manifesting himself somewhere. Historians, any of them can tell you that. That all ages, God has always had his sign. He's given signs in all ages. And then Jesus referred to them, and he said... A wicked or a weak and an adulterous generation seeks after signs. Now, let me get that close. I, I don't want to run too late now. I've got about four or five different remarks here to make. I'll make them quick as possible so we get the line started. But I want you to be sure to get it. Look. A weak and an adulterous generation seeks after signs. We know the Corinthian church. Paul continually had to tell them one had a psalm and one had a tongue and one had this and one had that. Well, Paul believed in speaking in tongues, but he didn't tell it to the Ephesians. 
He could teach them predestination and great things. But these babies, he had to give them baby food yet. See? He couldn't raise up and tell them high things. And the world's full of Corinthianism today. Sure. God's a good God. He'll do that to show you. But he's a good God. Like Thomas said, Lord, before I ever believe it, you, I'll have to put my hand in your, your prince of your nails and in your side. He's a good God. So come here, Thomas. <laughs> So now you see and believe how much greater is their reward who has never seen and yet believed. Yeah. Believe it because the Word said so. Hallelujah. How much greater reward the city of Sychar will receive than Jerusalem at the day of the judgment. See? Because they believed and never seen, just heard, and they believed it because they're looking for it. Now, he said, but there will be a weak and adulterous generation. Now, as I said last night, and we all know that every prophecy has a compound meaning. Compound, Amen. it repeats itself. Did you ever read over there in Matthew 3 where it said, Out of Egypt I've called my son that it might be fulfilled where Jesus went into Egypt? Run your reference on that and see if it don't mean Jacob. But Jacob was his son. And so was Jesus' his son. Amen. See, it's got a, each time it repeats itself like history. God's words eternally just keeps going. Now watch. He was speaking of a weak and an adulterous generation. Let me say this with sincerity. He was speaking of this generation. For there ever was a weak, dishwatered generation as full of adultery as this nation, this people. Look, our nation leads the world in divorces. Homosexuals is worse than it is in Paris, France. I read an article of they were 40% of the government employed was thought to be homosexuals. I was flying over Los Angeles recently and put in a paper in the state of, Los An- of California alone, homosexuals year before last increased 20%. My office lays full of letters of mothers crying, their boys taking other boys and going to rooms and living with them. They have absolutely abused themselves so much and so forth till they perverted the natural course between man and woman. A weak, weak and an adulterous generation seeks after signs. This generation, watching, and they shall receive it. What? The sign of Jonas. Amen. What? They will receive the sign of the resurrection. Amen. For Jonas was in the belly of the whale three days and nights, so the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth three days and nights, but he'll raise again. Hallelujah. And the weak and adulterous generation will receive the sign of the resurrection. Amen. You get it? Yes. Always felt sorry for Jonah. So many people said that Jonah backslidden. I don't believe he was. I believe if he was a prophet... The Word of God was with him, and ever God ordains the steps of the righteous. Don't you believe that? Yes. Now, we know he's supposed to go to Nineveh, that great city full of sin and adultery, and it had come up before God and a bunch of Gentiles down there. But notice, the city was pretty much the size of St. Louis, several times as big as this city here. And there was just wicked. And he was supposed to go down there, but he got his ticket for Tarshish. I believe that was God's will. Notice. He got out on the sea and a storm came up. And they bound his hands and threw him overboard. You're not long going to Louisville, Kentucky. They had a whale's frame laying on a, on a, oh, it's been about 15, 20 years ago, I guess, laying on a, a big flat car. And that old fellow standing out there said, Now I want to tell you, you've heard that, that um, uh, mystic story about Jonah being swallowed by the whale. He said, I want to show you how that's impossible said, a man could not go through the throat of this whale. Oh, he was all scientific, you know. And he said, you see, it could hardly be a baseball go through his swallow. And this whale weighed off again how many tons? I just stood as much as I could. So I said, sir, may I say a word? He said, what is it, young man? I said, you failed to understand God's word. God never said it was a whale. It was a special fish. God prepared a fish for him. Amen. This could have swallowed a house if he'd wanted to. Amen. That trimmed his feathers. <laughs> this was a special fish. God prepared a fish for him. 
He had a big throat. And he swallowed this preacher. And he had his hands bound, his feet bound. And, you know, you feed your goldfish, you know what happens? Why, he goes right to, after he's prowling around through the waters to find his food. Then when he gets his belly full, he goes right down at the bottom of the little goldfish jar and rests his little swimmers on the bottom and rests. That's what he does. All fish do that. And this big special fish must have done the same thing. Might have been, I don't know how many fathoms deep it was out there, but he prowled around till he swallowed Jonah, and then he must have went right down to the bottom and rested his swimmers right on the bottom. Laying there, your Jonah was down in the whale of the belly, turning over in the vomit. You, talk, you people talk about symptoms. He had a case of it. <laughs> Some of them get prayed for and said, you know, I, I, my hand's no better. What's that got to do with it? Thought you believe. Amen. Huh? Say, I, 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 I still got a headache. What's that got to do with it? As I said the other night, if you got the quarter, that purchased the bread. The bread's sure to come. <laughs> See? You got the purchase price. And here with Jonah, if there's any man had a right to have symptoms, he had it. Look, if you look this way, it was whale's belly. Look that way, whale's belly. This way was whale's belly. Everywhere he looked was whale's belly. And his hands was tied and his feet was tied. And he was in the bottom of the sea in the belly of a whale on a stormy day. Talk about symptoms. Nobody in that batter shape here, I'm sure. And there he lay. But you know what he said? He said, there are lying vanities. Amen. I'll not believe any of it. Hallelujah. But once more will I look to your holy temple. <laughs> Hallelujah. He knew when Solomon dedicated that temple, he prayed a prayer and said, God, if thy people be in trouble anywhere and look towards this holy temple, then hear from heaven. And he believed it. And God, I don't know what he done, put an oxygen tank or something down there and kept him alive for three days and nights. Because he looked towards that temple that Solomon dedicated and later backslid. But he was under inspiration when he was praying. And God honored that prayer and kept him alive for three days and nights. If God would honor his prayer with that kind of a symptoms, what are you to do for us today? When people are being healed all around us everywhere, and we don't have to look towards a temple made with hands of man, but a temple of God where Jesus sits at the right hand with his own blood. Hallelujah! A temple that can't fade away. What are we to do then? Amen. Hold to it. Walk on. You know, them people down there in Nineveh was heathens. They worshipped all kind of heathen gods. And the god of the sea was a whale, of course. Like the Indians here used to worship the grizzly bear. He was the chief of the woods. Obikas. So then when, they, when they, the chief uh, god of the sea was a whale, and the occupation was fishermen. And here all the, on this warm, sunshiny morning, everybody was out there casting their nets, thousands up and down the bank, casting their nets. Up come the god of the sea. Everybody raised up to worship. He licked his tongue out. A prophet walked right out of his mouth. God knows how to do things. Sure, they listen to him. Their God spit the prophet out on the bank. See, nothing works wrong. God makes everything work right. And he preached, and God honored his prayers. Sure, no wonder he talked about Solomon's generation or, or Jonah's generation. The sign of the resurrection. Then, quickly now in closing, he mentioned the queen of the south. In the days of Solomon, now anyone knows that when God sends a gift to the earth and it's rejected, it's chaos for that generation. How many knows that? Sure you do. And if they receive that gift, it's a golden age for them. Oh, how they received Solomon and his gift. Everybody, one heart and one accord. Why it went throughout all the world. What a great time. Everybody, you ought to see over in Israel. They got a man over there. They made him their king. Oh, the spirit of their God is right in the man. Why, he's got a gift of discernment. You've never seen anything like it. It's perfect. What a talk. What a talk it would be today if this backslidden nation would come back to God and accept its gift, the Holy Ghost, has been sent to it. Russia would quit making atomic missiles, (laughs) nuclear weapons. Is the best fortification we could have. Is a good old-fashioned St. Paul's revival in the Bible, Holy Ghost, back in this nation. Amen. It would close up every prostitute house. It would make a bootlegger so dry it had to prime itself 15 minutes to get enough moisture to spit. It would, it would absolutely... It would do something for us! 
if we just let it do it. Right. It closed up every bootleg joint and every rock and roll party would be closed up and prayer meetings would be everywhere. Instead of all this carrying on and nonsense they're doing today. Yes, sir. It would be. But you see, they won't receive their gift. We've been sent a great gift. God gave His Son. They rejected it. What happened to Israel? She's been in chaos ever since. God sent the Gentiles in the last days the Holy Ghost. And they're rejecting it. What is it? Chaos. Judgment. Come out of Sodom. Don't you even look back. Don't pattern after some of these your modern things. Look towards Calvary. Keep looking that way. Don't care how big the church is. If it's a mission on the corner, it's a poor little tabernacle or whatever it is, and the rest of them going to these great big places. Pay no attention to it. Look towards Calvary. Yes, sir. Stay with your man of God and teach you the word. Stay right with him. Stay right with Christ and keep moving on. Notice. Nine. You know, the only way they had to send message in was lip to ear. Now they got telephone, television, everything else. But when the caravans would come through, go into the parts of the world, everybody would watch and see this great power Solomon had. And you would finally come way down into the south. It was the Queen of Sheba who it was. And if you want to measure how far it was, it, it was the utmost parts of the known world then. Jesus said the utmost parts of the, of the world. That's cosmos, world, world order. See, not the earth, the world. And... Uh, so then, that's the utmost parts of it. And this little queen was a heathen. And every time somebody passed into her kingdom, say, Oh, you should see Israel. Why, they got a God up there, and that God's representing himself in one of their men. And they're all in one accord. <laughs> if we Pentecostals should just get like that, see. Oh, nobody would speak against Solomon. Oh, you ought to hear our pastor. Oh, I'll tell you, it's the most marvelous thing. You ought to go to the meeting sometime. Oh, God has given us a great gift. Oh, everybody in one heart and one accord. If the Pentecostals, not less the rest of the world, if they would just all of them just get together and go ahead and have their organizations, but be one. Yes. We got something. It's real. Amen. Not over there at Buzzard Roost, they haven't got it, and Crow's Nest over here, they haven't got it. But that's my brother's. Come reason together. Get your little differences and settle it and get some mutual understanding and go on. Like these men did for this meeting. <laughs> See? If it can be done here, it can be done the whole thing around. It's Satan trying to battle that thing off. So then we get together and really could get somewhere for God. Now, so, you know, faith cometh by what? Hearing. That little queen, there's something that she's ordained to life. Of course, all he foreknew, he called. No man could come. All the Father has given me will come. So it must have been that she must have been ordained to life. And the first time that word flashed across, something struck her. I would like to go up there. I would like to see it. All right. Next caravan comes to you, coming that way. I can see her go out. And uh, your, your Highness, Queen, yes, which way did you come? We come from the north. Did you uh, pass through Palestine? Yes. May I see you in the castle alone? <laughs> Say, is it true about Israel up there that a supernatural God, their God, their one God, is representing himself in one of their men? It's the truth. I, I tell you, I heard about it when I brought my camels through. I, I put up for a few days and watched, and it's the truth. Oh, thank you, sir. Thank you. You may be dismissed. Go out. Her heart began to burn. There's something about when you hear about God. A man is always, he knows he come from somewhere out of the dark, and he knows he's got to go back that way too. He knows he come into the world some mysterious way, he goes out the same way. He's always trying to look up past the curtain. Notice, then, oh my, one day she decided she's going to see for herself. That's the way. Amen. Don't sit home, criticize, go find out. So she, uh, uh, she gets ready. Now, remember that little girl had some difficult. I was scolding you sisters, now I'm going to tell you about a real woman. <laughs> Notice, this little woman had some difficult. Now, the first thing, being a pagan, she had to go see the Holy Father of her church. See? Where she get permission. She's queen, remember. 
So I can see her go down to the holy priest, and she said, Oh, most reverend holy father, uh, I have heard that up in Israel they're having a revival up there, and signs and wonders are taking place of a supernatural God that's got a man anointed with his spirit, and he speaks like God. I can see the holy father say, Now look, my child, you are a queen. You got prestige. You belong to this big church. You don't never want to go. You don't want to have any that's holy roller or, oh well, you know. It's uh you don't want to get in that kind of a bunch. There's nothing to it. They have you hear that stuff all the time we've always heard about open up red seas and things. There's nothing to it. If anything was gonna go on, it'd go on in our denomination here. It'd be right here where we get it. Here's where it would be. You see the great holy dag in there? Yes, I've seen him. I've been looking at him. My grandmother looked at him. My great-grandmother looked at him. Or my great-great-great-grandmother looked at him. He's never moved. <laughs> they tell me that this God makes himself real in the man. You know what? You know what idol worship is? The worshiper prostrates himself before the idol, and with imaginary God, with imaginary mind, he imagines that God talks back to him. How vice versa from Christianity. He takes a living man and pours himself into the man and makes him the idol. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. That's what he did on the day of Pentecost. You think I'm a crazy hollering hallelujah means praise our God. So, but notice, I'm not excited. Now I know just exactly where I am. I just feel good. Notice, then when we find, and this, he said, now look, daughter, if you go to fool around such fanaticism as that, I'll just have to give you your church paper. Well, I can imagine her stood there a little bit and said, Well, you know, if God has spoke to your heart, there ain't nothing going to stop you. Because faith cometh by hearing. You get a hold of faith, there ain't nothing going to stop you. That's all. You're going anyhow. So faith cometh by hearing. And she heard about it. And her heart was burning within her to see it. She wanted to see if it's real or not. I can imagine her saying, said, You just might as well give him a paper. You are a queen. You lose your dignity. You live in a better neighborhood than them kind of people does. You drive a better car, you know, and all this kind of stuff, you know. And um, so now she had a lot to confront her. So she goes home and she thinks, Now, I don't know. I've read some of the scrolls that man give me. And it looks like that God, if that's the God, then if he's representing himself in the way he writes his words here in that man, well, then surely that must be God. And now, i tell you what she did. She went out and got a whole lot of jewelry, a whole lot of gold, and a whole lot of frankincense and rich gifts. And she said this, I'm going to take it with me, and if it is the truth, I'm going to support it. If it isn't the truth, I can bring my money right back. She could teach a lot of us Pentecostal people some wisdom. <laughs> Let your own... Church run down and supporting something on the radio would laugh at you and make fun of you. Yeah. The very thing that you believe. And yet you go, ain't no need to be careful of that. <laughs> you know what's the truth? Amen. Support your own church. Amen. Some of this stuff out here make fun of you, call you a holy roller, deny the very faith and, and stuff like that, and yet you subscribe to it? Yeah. I wouldn't have the stuff in my house. That's right. Amen. I'm Pentecostal. I believe in the Holy Ghost from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet and all through me. Heart, soul, and body. I believe in God. I believe the Word. I believe it's the truth. And I don't want to support that. So she could teach us something. Now, she packed up her camels. And now, she never thought, remember, with all that treasure going through that desert. And listen, it's no short journey. You know how long it taken on camel? Ninety days. Now, she didn't have an air-conditioned Cadillac. There, she had to cross the Sahara. So she'd taken her 90 days on camel. No wonder she'll condemn this generation. Some won't come across the street. Won't drive around the corner in an air-conditioned Cadillac. That's right. See? No, they won't do it. But she took a 90 days journey. And besides, the sons of Ishmael was in the desert in that day, robbers, with all that treasure. But somehow or another, when you're determined to see Jesus, there's nothing going to stand in your way. You're going on anyhow. You don't notice danger. Say your husband will run away from home. Your wife won't receive you anymore. Papa and Mama will turn you out. They'll throw you out of church. You don't notice those things. You're trying to get to Him. You're just trying to get there as hard as you can. Because something's in your heart burning. Now, she started across the desert. 
And when she did, maybe had to travel by night. She had her few little maids with her and her eunuchs. Well, what an easy prey that would have been for Ishmael's children. Just slay that bunch of little eunuchs and take all that gold and stuff, them camels laden down with it. been easy. But you see, God always makes a way for you if you want to get to him. I don't know how he does it, but he'll do it. When there is no way, then he is the way. He makes a way for it. Now, across the desert she went. She arrived. Now, she didn't come like lots of people. Like you notice them. I go from right here in a meeting. You stand up. Take a text. And you say about two or three words that the people say, Well, I don't know about that. I just can't understand that. Uh, you know what? They'll get up and get out. They won't listen to you. Then you take again. They just seem like they don't want to, to pay attention to it. And if, and if you stay just a little bit long, maybe say you're a half hour late or something like that. Ooh, my. Mm. They just can't stand it. When Paul preached the same gospel all night, yeah. a boy fell out of the window and killed himself. They thought they was going to have to bring one to us last night of a little baby. What the Lord undertook for it. But notice. Notice what happened. Then she come up and she tuck it up. She unloaded her camels and things out in the palace yard. And she come to stay and to study the scrolls until she was thoroughly convinced. Oh, what a fine woman. Yeah. I appreciate that little lady. She's going to stay till she's convinced. She'd been reading all the scrolls of Isaiah the prophet and all the different ones and the different ones that wrote in all the books of Moses and how they crossed the Red Sea. She wants to see what that God was. So she come and she took her maids and things and pitched her camp. And the next morning she goes into the church. Now imagine there's a big crowd there that morning and they was playing all the music of God and the trumpet sounding and so forth. And my, all of them, the first thing, all hushed. And after a while, Pastor Solomon come walking out. Walked out on the platform, an ordinary looking man. I don't know what he talked on that morning, but whatever it was, it struck the little queen. She began to notice the wisdom. She might have waited until she got a prayer card. So anyhow, she, she waited around. After a while, it come her time to come up before him. And the Bible said, when she come before Solomon, there wasn't nothing hid from Solomon. Amen. He told her all her secrets. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That was a gift of discernment. And behold, a greater than Solomon is here. Yeah. He told her, the Bible said there wasn't nothing hid from Solomon. He just stood there and took her, maybe that only one, and just revealed it over and told her about what she'd done and what everything was. Revealed it. Don't you see? It's the same God. Amen. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yes. And there stood the fullness of the Godhead bodily and called the devil. No wonder he was rebuking him. Look at that little queen now. I'm closing. The first time she'd ever seen anything real. She turned to the audience. First, she turned to the man that was with him. And she said, Blessed are you that's with this gift all the time. Blessed are you that can see this daily. Your eyes are blessed. Think of a heathen. Your eyes are blessed. You who can stand and see this. You Pentecostals. Blessed are your eyes. That you get to see it all the time. Amen. More take some dirt back down in her country. What? She had seen something real for her first time. She had seen so much idol and theology and so much put on, but no real move of God. And when she really seen God moving, she caught it. And the queen of the south shall rise in the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For she came from the utmost parts of the world. To hear the wisdom of Solomon, and behold, a greater than Solomon is here. The little fellow had just seen it for the first time. In closing, I might make this little statement. I might have told you about it before. I hunt. That's my pastime, shooting targets, hunting, fishing. My old mother that just passed away was a half-breed. So, my conversion never took it out of me. I still love the outdoors. I see God. I used to hunt up in the North Woods. There's a fellow up there named Bert Call, one of the finest hunters I ever hunted with. You didn't have to worry about losing him. He knew how to get back home. And he was a good hunter, but he was the meanest man I ever seen. I never seen a man. He had eyes like a lizard. 
And I, I never seen a, a meaner man in my life. Oh, he was really cruel. And he used to shoot fawns. Just, you know what fawns are? Little baby deers. He used to shoot them just to make me feel bad. I always hated to kill little fellows. And, and, he, um, and he would shoot them just... Now, now, if the law says you can shoot a fawn, remember, that's all right. I was game warden for years. And so if the law says you can shoot a fawn, that's all right. It's not the, the size, sex, or whatever the uh, animal is. It's whether they let you shoot it or not. Abraham killed a calf and fed it to God. So ain't nothing about the little part about it. But just to be mean, that's a murder to me. Yeah. That's right. Kill just for the fun of killing. That's not right. You should never take what the law says and take it decently and manly. Everything you do, do it right. Yeah. That's right. Because your written epistles read of all men. The way you conduct yourself and the things you do as Christians. But Bert would do this just to be mean. He was a cruel fellow. Every time I go up there, he... He'd see a fawn, he'd just blow him over, just make me, maybe not even pick him up. Just to be mean. One year I went up there a little late. I got off from work late, and we had a bad season. And hunting season had been in two or three weeks, and that was New Hampshire. It was, um, it was just uh, over there on the presidential range, and it was a, it was a very fine hunting country, a white-tailed deer. I think you have the mule here. And he's slow and clumsy upside of one of them. You talk about Houdini being the escape artist. You ought to see a white tail when he's scared. He can just vanish. So you really have to be a sport and a shot. Don't cripple him. Kill him. And if you're going to, you don't let him alone. So it really takes a good shrewd hunter to get his deer. So I like to do that. So then when we go hunting, we went hunting. He said, Billy, you're just uh, about two weeks late. So we only got about a week. I said, yes, but Bert, surely we can find one somewhere. There's been a lot of shooting. And it come a snow that night, about six or eight inches, about good tracking ground. And we always packed a, a thermos, a jug full of hot chocolate, where if we got turned around the woods and had to stay all night, well, it wouldn't bother seeing him build up a fire. So then um, Bert said, I got something for you, Billy. I said, what is it? I'll show you. Reached down and got a little whistle, and he blew it, and it sounded like a little baby deer calling for its mammy. You know, the, the little fawn. You know how they make that little funny noise? I said, Bert, you, you wouldn't do that. He said, oh, that's the way you preachers, you're chicken-hearted. Said, you'll never make a hunter. Said, you're too chicken-hearted. I said, Bert, there's such a thing as being chicken-hearted. There's such a thing as being crazy. See? And I said, you, you, you're crazy to do a thing like that. Don't do that. I said, that's cruel. He said, ah, get next to yourself, preacher. Come on, let's go. And I got my rifle. We traveled all, almost till noontime. Didn't see a track. And it's moonlight, too, you know. And they'll feed at nighttime. And they'll get on a brush and anything else. They'll hide through the daytime. And they'll almost starve themselves to death because they've been shot at. And so we didn't even see a track. It was almost noon. And so Bert sat down, a little drift of snow where the winds had drifted it, right by some bushes. There's an opening about twice the size of this building. And so Bert sat down there and he, he uh, reached back in like this. I thought he was going to get his uh, thermos jug and get a drink of uh, the hot chocolate. We'd eat a sandwich and then separate. He'd go one way over Jefferson Notch or some way. And I'd come back down by Washington, usually some way that way. And we'd meet in 9 or 10 o'clock to the base camp. Uh, if we got any deer, we'd hang it up. Next day, we'd get a horse or something go after it. So then, um, uh, I thought he was fixing to separate right there because we was getting up pretty high. There's no, not much above timber line there. So he sat down, he reached back like this, and he brought out that little whistle. And I said, oh, Bert, don't do that. He them lizard eyes looked up at me and just grinned like a, I don't know what. He put that little whistle in his mouth, and he blew it. And it sounded just like a little fawn, you know how he kind of bugles for his mama. And when he did that... Just across that opening, a great big doe stood up. A, a doe's a mother deer, you see. Stood up. I could see those big brown eyes looking around, them great big peaked ears. What was it? She was a mother. The baby had called. He was in trouble. She raised up. Daytime or no daytime, danger or no danger, she was a mother. She was born a mother. There's something in her. Like even a little girl playing with a doll. What is that? She's born to be a mother. See? It's in her. It's by birth. She wasn't a hypocrite. She wasn't putting something on. She was a mother. And Bert looked at me like that, and them lizard eyes looked up at me again. I said, don't, Bert. Don't, Bert. He got out like that, and he blowed it real easy. That mother deer walked right out into that opening. Now, that's unusual very much. That time of day, and a white-tailed deer, 
certainly been a lot of shooting going on. They won't do that. I've never seen anything like it in my life. She walked out there, right out in opening. I seen him. We never carry a shell in the barrel until you're ready to shoot. So I seen him take this 06 and put that big 180 grain mushroom up there, and he was a dead shot. I seen him level down like that, and them lizard eyes looking through that scope. That crosshair come right across her heart. When the, when the bolt went down, the deer heard the bolt. And she turned. Them big ears pointed like that. And I stand behind some bush. And she looked right that way. She saw the hunter. But she was a mother. Her baby was in trouble. Death or no death, she wanted to get her baby. And she, I seen that gun level down them quiet nerves of that fella. I thought, oh, Bert, how can you do it? One minute from now, you'll blow that loyal mother heart plumb through the other side of her. See? So close to her, it wasn't over about 30 yards. I thought, oh, my, he'll, he'll blow her heart plumb out of her at that distance. That big bullet like that. And that I thought, how can you kill that mother looking for her baby and playing a part of a hypocrite to get her out here in the open like that. And there she's displaying that she's a real mother dying out. Her child's in trouble. Yeah. I couldn't look at it. I turned my head like this. I said, Heavenly Father, don't let him do it. Don't let him do it, Lord. Oh, how can he do it? How can he be so cruel as to kill that deer like that? How can he do that? And that poor mother, they're displaying that loyalty and love for her baby. And then he's going to kill her like that. Why? Don't let him do it, Lord. I was just praying within my heart. Now, waiting to hear that gun fire any time. And I thought, as soon as it fires, it's all over. I was standing two or three feet from him. He's knelt down by a snowdrift, some bank like this, and right over top of some brush, there was an opening right there. And I was, now, last time I seen him, he was holding a gun right like that. Oh, my. Quietness. I never heard the gun fire. I thought, what's the matter? I had my back turned like this because I couldn't watch it. I turned around to look, and the gun barrel was going like this, <laughs> shaking. He looked around. Tears was running down his cheeks. He tucked the gun and threw it on the snowbank, grabbed me by the pants leg like that, and said, Billy, I've had enough of it. Lead me to that Jesus that you're talking about. There on that snowbank, I knelt down by the side of there and tucked him by the hand. He's a deacon in the church now. What was it? He saw something real. Something it wasn't put on. A real mother's love calling for her baby. He seen something it wasn't put on. No, a hypocrite. Something that was born in her. Brother, sister, that's what the world's hungry for today. The hungry hearted is to see something real. A real God. Not some sham put on through some mental theology. But a real genuine God and a real genuine people to represent Him. That's the reason Jesus said, The Queen of the South shall rise in the judgment of this generation and condemn it. For she came for the utmost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and behold her greater than Solomon this year. Let's bow our heads for a moment. Before we call the prayer line, I want to ask a question. Be honest with me, right? We're closing now. Maybe some for our last time to see one another, some of you. This is a little silent prayer in your own heart. How many in here would like to be the Christian that that dear was a mother? Wouldn't you? That's right. The balcony. Would like to be the Christian that that dear was a mother, that you could display your love for God as loyal as that dear. Why? She was born a mother. She was a mother. You want to be a real Christian like that? Live or die, no matter what takes place, I want to be a Christian, a real one. Somebody in the balcony, only two or three hands where there's a hundred on the bottom floor. God bless you. That's good. I, I know God's up there the same. You think you're too far away for God? No, He's everywhere. Let's pray now. Is every hand that's went up, remember, He saw your hand. You can't make a move without Him seeing it. Our Heavenly Father, we're coming to the close now. A few moments the prayer line will be starting. The people will be coming to be prayed for. 
we think that'd be a whole lot greater than Solomon this year. We've had about 2,500 years of writing of the Scripture of God. How many more Scriptures? How greater it is today after the life of Jesus Christ. How he said that he'd give the wicked and adulterous generation the sign of the resurrection. Oh, Father, we see something real. We see Jesus. We see him in his church. We see him moving about, doing the works that he did when he was here on earth. It strikes our heart, Lord. Mold us. We're coming down to the potter's house now. Break us up, Lord, and mold us and make us real Christians. Give us a new birth. Uh, give us a spirit of God in us like the spirit of motherhood was in that deer. Grant it, Lord. Everyone that raised their hands, we pray for them, Father, that you'll grant their request. If I never get to shake their hands on this earth, may I do it in a better land. Grant it, Lord. Because of that display, I suppose, maybe the mother deer is still living to this day. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you'll give them long life, great service for you. Forgive their sins. There might have been some here that didn't raise their hands. Deal with them, Lord. Let them know what they missed by not knowing your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior. He's here today. I pray, Father, that you'll make him so manifested that the people will see that he still lives a greater than Solomon. We ask it in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. As we get towards the end of this episode, we'll end with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank thee for thy word. To know, Lord, that heavens and earth shall pass away, but your word will never pass away. We pray, Father, may we today, may your word become alive in us, that we might be excellent representatives of yours, witnesses unto the utmost parts of the earth. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We hope to continue to earn your viewership throughout the year as we read the Bible from cover to cover. To make this a better listening experience for you, would really appreciate your feedback. So please email us at honeyintherock2020 at gmail.com. We also have accounts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So please follow us, share our pages, and subscribe. Now we'll leave you with the parting song. God richly bless you.
to 